welcome to the next episode of the Tailon Talks podcast. Um, today's a fun day. We've got um, Dan and Charlie, both in from Ritzy Animation here in London, and they're here to talk about just the overall um, animation industry within within the overarching production industry um, within London and in the UK. So. Yeah, I'm going to pass that off to you guys to give a quick introduction. Okay, thanks, Perry. Yeah, I'm Dan, uh, and I'm one of the directors at Ritzy Animation. Um, and yeah, we've been going for about five years now, something like that. Yeah, thanks for having us on the show. Um, yeah, I'm Charlie, and also uh, set up with Dan like five years ago. Uh, I guess our story started like at an, an old company when we uh, sort of worked together for a while. And we had a sort of burning ambition, really, to sort of set up our own thing and uh, eventually sort of took the lead. It was my idea, by the way. It was, it was Dan's idea. It was af- my idea, af- yeah. After Vegas. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, uh, that's, that's me. But uh. <laughs> Nice. Sounds good. So, you guys met, you just said, in Vegas, like Las no, Vegas. No, no, no. I went on a stag day to Vegas. Um, and I think by that point, I was just getting a little bit bored um, because I guess you can only work your way so high. Uh, company and I was kind of directing Charlie was also you know like lead lighting and running like big teams and to be honest between us we were doing quite a lot of projects um, because of our skills they were quite they've covered quite a lot of bases in animation so I think we were just starting to feel a bit like we're doing all the work and we're just handing over the USB um, (laughs) to the boss so we thought well if we had a couple of computers and we had a few clients we might be all right so I don't know why you mentioned Vegas, but basically I came back from <laughs> Vegas and I was like, Sh- shall we just do it? Um, and cool. that's kind of how it began. Yeah. I mean, you got to start somewhere. <laughs> um, so you both have been in animation your whole careers. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, Charlie longer than me, but we, that's where we met a company called Blue Zoo. Um, I was there seven years and I think you were there like 10. Yeah, but I'd been, um, yeah, I've been at other places as well before. Um, like, I think we both studied, well, I studied animation and Dan did too. So, like, we made the decisions to uh, sort of work in animation, like, from the age of, like, 17, really. Okay. And did, mm. did the courses, like, three years degree. And then um, just sort of, I had a couple of jobs before Blue Zoo. And then uh, I was there at Blue Zoo for, like, three years before Dan started he sort of that was his first job out of uni I think so uh, we met there um, sort of became a bit of a partnership and a team as he said like he sort of rose up through the ranks really quickly with an eye for direction and uh, a generalist sort of abilities like in animation there's all sorts of different skills like you can be an animator the person that makes it move or you can be the sculptor the person that like makes it look like a human or whatever it is Um, but yeah as Dan said between us we could cover uh, the sort of whole whole production really apart from one or two steps so um, yeah we became a sort of partnership there and then it felt natural to sort of try our own thing when the timing was right and uh, but we didn't have anywhere to start so we had to use my sister's bedroom okay um, that was our studio uh, a bit of like apple starting in the garage story yeah a little bit yeah a little bit um, it was a tiny room two computers um Obviously, my mum and dad were there 24-7, so there'd be client calls with my dad in the background, shouting out about my football boots <laughs> um, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was proper um, 
proper cowboys at the beginning, pretty ropey. We um, we tried to present a sort of image of this boutique London studio, whereas the reality was that we were just uh, in his sister's room. We put a sign on the wall and put two desks in there and it felt legit. <laughs> yeah, if you just saw the one wall, it looked pretty good. It's all about the angles. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Like, I think we had a London phone number as well. So we did all the things to try and make it seem like we were in... You know, it was it was, mix. it was quite interesting actually. Like uh, in that spare room, we sort of we grew well. I don't know. We got lots of favors early early doors, and like one job that didn't come in in the end, but one that we pitched for was with uh, with Facebook, and um, and like they they we they didn't know how big we were or anything like that, and we had to sort of pitch to them via Zoom. Um, this is like pre pandemic and everything because I don't for some reason we couldn't get to Facebook. So we were really careful to sort of angle the, the laptop. Well, I think they wanted way. to come to ours, and it was like, <laughs> definitely not, no, like, the studio is under construction at the moment. <laughs> so we managed to, like, um, yeah, swindle a deal to, to do it over Zoom and share screen and stuff. Yeah, just made sure we positioned the, the camera to look at the logo on the wall and not, like, the sort of wardrobe behind <laughs> in a different angle. We didn't win the job, by the way. <laughs> Close, though. But, yeah. Anyway, that's kind of how it began. Okay, so you've been around about five years now. Yeah. Um, just, I guess, what type of animation studio are you guys? What kind of work do you guys do? Um, yeah, if you could just give us a, just a little bit of background on the type of projects you guys take on and you guys process that. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, this is something we were trying to figure out for quite a long time is like what makes us different because every animation studio does animation, you know, um, and we were asked a lot like, what is your niche? Like, what makes you different? And I think it took us a while to figure out, but like, ultimately we love animating characters. Um, so that could be a big monster. It could be a human, but it could also be like the Pixar lamp. You know, it could be, you can give personality and um, humor um, and character to any object, if you know what I mean. So I think that's what we love doing the most is, is character animation, um, but that can be 2D, 3D, we haven't really done a stop motion project yet, but um, motion graphics. Um, yeah, what else? it's yeah. all sorts. But basically, like we we work, uh, we do things for kids TV. We've made like some kids TV series. That's one side of our company. But then we've also sort of done commercials and like things for web, music uh, videos, music videos, apps, yeah, short films, um, online spots. Yeah, There's tons of different projects, but. Um, they're all different. They're all pretty enjoyable, but most of them do have a character in, I would say. Mm. It's quite rare that we just do like, um, well, we had to start by doing logo and text animations back in the day, but now we, we are keen to attract more character pieces. Cool. So five years in, how, how big are you guys now? Um, we were just saying before we started, it's kind of like an elastic band. It just goes like that, you know, um, Depending on the project that comes in, we get big, we recruit, get loads of freelancers. And then as the project goes on, sadly, people leave. Um, and then by the end, everyone's gone. Um, but then when you multiply that by like three or four projects, we're kind of, what's happened, I think, is we've gone from like two people to three to four, five. But then amongst that, we've had periods of loads of people. Um, I think at the moment we're on like 25 because... Um, just coming towards the end of our second kids TV series, Obkey. Um, but now we're ramping up for another project. So it's, it's really hard to put a final number on it. Um, 
but core staff is like six or seven probably okay we, yeah, we should know that shouldn't we? we should know yeah it's <laughs> so quite, you guys rely on a core staff yeah. but based on the project you guys are, have, a, have a heavy freelancer community you guys reach out yeah to. and we get those people back as well so okay. they sort of feel like they're part of our family if you know what right. i mean and even if they go away for a couple of months come back they're with us for another six you know so um it's one of the hardest things it's just like saying goodbye like when you want to keep people but at our position at the moment we can't afford to sort of just keep people indefinitely even if they're super talented mm. um we're sort of having to like predict now like what work we're going to get in and then we're sort of uh putting our money where our mouth is and some people and just sort of keeping them on long-term and permanent contracts uh but there's plenty others that we'd love to sort of keep but we just can't justify at the moment um but we did go back down to just two in the pandemic mm. went back to me and charlie for ages and then about two months later, we were at our peak at like 40 because of the first wow. series of, of Obkey. So yeah, it's crazy how quickly things can change, you know. Would you say the uh, pandemic as a whole had a opportunistic effect on um, the animation industry coming out of it? Well, it's re I really don't know the answer to that because um, like at the start of the pandemic, obviously there was no film and TV. So like the phone was ringing off the hook with uh, all sorts of people wanting a substitute for film. And so animation is a natural sort of port of call for that. But so we, we spent like the first couple of months of the pandemic basically pitching on really big jobs, but none of them, none of them happened really. No. And then, no. yeah, one job that did happen was one that was just from nowhere, you know, like a real vague inquiry, which... I just took, you know, thinking nothing of it. And then that turned out to be a sort of really big project for us. And mm. so it's really hard to know whether the pandemic is. I think increased. it was um, when you told people the price of animation. Like it usually the conversations used to go really well. And then it was like, and how much is this going to be for like 30 seconds? And then <laughs> you'd quote and it was like, oh, we'll let you know then, you know, because I guess I guess it is just more time consuming and more expensive than a quick live action advert you know <laughs> i don't know that's how it felt you know it was just those were the those were the points the conversation sort of died out a bit. um <laughs> yeah so let's uh let's dissect that a little bit actually yeah. um yeah we don't have to go into any specific pricing or anything but yeah as you said every creative kind of faces that dilemma at some point of you know you have to quote mm. um for the amount of work and the amount of effort and and power that it takes to put some of these productions together and you know for a film crew that's all sorts of different things but for animation it's quite specific yeah um you guys as you just talk a little bit about animation i mean uh, in general animation is it's an expensive niche to be in mm -hmm. um and that's not a bad thing because you get what you pay for um but animation is a lot more than just like sketching stuff on paper and you know going through a flipbook or like that's, drawing stuff on the computer and pressing anime it doesn't work that way um and i think a lot of people do think that right <laughs> um so i guess just from a a client or a customer standpoint or anyone who's like interested in animation um what is that process like how much work does go into an animation um and i guess that would just help explain on why the prices are the, the way they are yeah, yeah definitely i mean yeah, what you've explained is is exactly what we have to kind of battle with. And I think it's 
I think it depends whether it's 2D or 3D. So like you said, if it's 2D hand-drawn stuff, which we actually don't do much of, um, I'd say we're like 80%, 90% 3D at Ritzy. But um, you can't just click a button and create a 3D image. So um, it has to go through a whole pipeline of, um, let's say, for example, they wanted a, an animation of um, a little fluffy monster running around a room or something. Before you even get anywhere near making it move, you'd have to um, design the monster on paper first or on Photoshop digitally. Um, and you'd get the client to sign off how they, what the, what they think of that 2D drawing. They might want to change the colors. They might want to change the size of the eyes. They might want to change the proportions. But then when they're happy with how the drawing looks, um, then it goes into 3D production. So that monster would then be um, sculpted, like Charlie mentioned earlier, almost like digital clay. And again, you would ask them how they like, what they think of it from all angles. Um, then it goes through a process called UVing, where you essentially map out that 3D character um, kind of like flat so that you can paint it. And then you put it back together again later and paint it in 3D. Um, and then again, ask the client if they're happy with the textures, you know, the colors, all that stuff. And then you could do fur. I mean, the list is endless before you get to the point where you actually make it move. Um, because then you'll need to put bones in it, like a puppet, so that the animators have actual controls to move. Um, and then you've got to make it move. <laughs> then you've got to make it move. And then once you've made it move, which again has many different stages as well, um, you have to light it um, a bit like you would in real life, but in the That's 3D true. package. Then you have to render it, which costs money, um, and you get a massive frame sequence, which you then import um, into a compositing software like After Effects or Nuke. Then you have to grade it, light it um, again, light it, treat it, um, add effects, and then you export it. So it's a really, really long process from initial idea on paper to final movie. Did I miss anything? I but don't think so. No, it's just like, yeah, design. It's a lot of steps. A lot of steps. And then storyboard. Sorry, yeah, yeah storyboard, storyboard animatics. So like you're planning the narrative in 2D first before you've even begun. But these stages are all there so that, the, the client gets the control that they need and like everyone understands what they're doing. But every stage takes time, you know, like to design a character could take anything from, uh, well, two days to sort of eight days. And then some projects, weeks. And, and then could be longer. And then, you know, modeling can take that long and then texturing can take that long and then rigging mm. can take that long. Rigging is adding the bones and the puppet and stuff. And then animation is like, what, two, two seconds a day or something like that. But um, I think, I think it's just like, you can't just switch the camera on. That's the difference. So, it's can really you, you break down in a, in a camera, right? So anyone who has any like technical n knowledge of cameras, I guess in a camera, you're recording in frame rates, right? Mm. So you're recording um, standard in the UK is 25 frames, um, mm -hmm. 50 frames if you want slow motion. Um, and that's how many individual frames are in every second of footage mm. versus animation. You have to do that all from scratch. So every single frame has to be created. Um, and I know you guys' actual like playback frame rates are slightly different. Um, but every frame within every second of every animation has to be created. Um, mm. not, I mean, and it's essentially from scratch. Um, but... Yeah, tackling all of those pieces beforehand before you can even get to making every mm. single one of those frames. Yeah, um, and that's where the massive amount of like work um, comes in. So people think like, oh, thirty seconds animation, like that's not that long, but in reality, like it's three hundred times. <laughs> I don't know, twelve, fifteen frames. Well, we've just worked on like on what project you're doing. Yeah, we just worked on one like of our biggest projects yet, 
I can say it now, it's been released, isn't it? But it was like um, for Gareth Bale, the footballer. Um, we did an animation, like a 3D version of him. Um, it's for a big golf campaign called Golf is Good to encourage people to get out there and play golf. But um, anyway, that was a 60-second animation, or the hero film was. This was 30, wasn't it? Yeah, his was 30. But to get to that point, it was like six months' work. It's just like, it, like it, it does blow people's mind when I say it, so like for 60 seconds. It's like... Yeah, yeah. Um, started like at Christmas. <laughs> um, yeah, that's just yeah. When you see the amount of work involved, it's like there's a reason for it, you know. Um, I don't know whether to be proud or like. I know <laughs> sometimes you do keep playing. You're like, like, well, when you come to the end of a Pixar film, you see about eight thousand credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. there's so many departments. Um, and yeah, you think of the size of them, and their films are what two hours. And they take like four years with 400, 500 people, whatever. So 30 of us, it's going to take six months to do <laughs> a minute. You know? um, but equally, but, yeah. like, you know, we've done a series in nine months, which is about half an hour of content. But it's just like, it's just the build of all of these things that takes quite a long time. And once it's there, it's quicker. But it's just, yeah, that process of making a character or whatever it is, labor intensive and and time consuming to get right and um and do well so um but the animation side once everything is built it's it's quite it's quite quick really it's quite efficient but that's why reuse is really important as well like once you've mm. got gareth bale the second advert's a lot cheaper because yeah that's true <laughs> like now now yeah. we have him in 3d he's got all his bones in all of your all of your assets are there exactly yeah Work so next on. time it is just like well let's bring him in and start making a move, you know. Right. Um, you only have to do the end steps. Um, <laughs> but yeah, does that sort of explain it? No, that explains a lot. Um, the one one thing I found interesting out of all the steps was, um, obviously you have to put bones, quote unquote yeah. bones, into your uh, animations once you have those renderings done. Um, how do you decide like how a character moves, like their their types of movements, and like? Not necessarily where you put bones, I guess, but I guess where do, where do you go in that creative process? Like, does that come from the client or does that come from you guys? Or like, is it a style that you guys just have overall that kind of your guys' animations, kind of your characters move in this certain way? Um, sort of, I think something that really sets apart animations from coming to the company is just like the fluidity and how different characters move. Um, and they're usually quite apparent in how different they are. I think it depends entirely on the brief because like we've had projects where it's like really really wacky and like you might sort of have limbs that like a double as long and bend strange and like that those characters have a really different personality to say Gareth Bale that's a bit more sort of uh, strong footballer golfer like you know more realistic animation I would say so like we try to inject as much personality as possible I think and that's like where done speciality really so i've probably like jumped the gun <laughs> no, no. before you but think, yeah that's um, right i mean most of the time a character who has two legs or four legs it's either an animal or a human or a monster and that that's the like 10 percent where they have like a million different legs or something but we don't animate many of them so there's only two different kind of bone structures really that can go into them um a quadruped which is the four or a biped which is two legs and there's kind of a standard kind of bone setup, but then once that's in there, it's down to the animators to make it move in an appealing way. You know, so you could do a wave that's like that, 
you do a wave that's like that you know so that's when we get these showreels through from animators that apply we're looking for like appealing movement and like character and personality and like good timing good timing good pacing good weight um the 12 principles of animation basically <laughs> which you might not be aware of but it's like a book everyone studied at uni can you name them oh <laughs> don't don't <laughs> sorry squash and stretch uh there's a ton there's a ton but um yeah that's that's in answer to your question like you can make something move so many different ways um and it depends on the end goal of of the brief mm, really okay. yeah um, yeah because a client might say like that's way too bouncy and cartoony and silly you know want it to be like really serious and moody and slow and it's like shit we messed that one up (laughs) but that's why it's important to have the stages you know i think like a lot of it is almost dictated to by the design though like you know you if you look at just a character that you've made you'd almost visualize how that might move and it might look, look quite quirky in which case you'd have a lot of like bendy limbs and things like that it's a bit more slapstick whereas something looks quite serious you know you you'd probably animate it a bit more naturally um more realistic i would say but um yeah it just it does just depend on the brief and and the animator as well different animators bring their personalities into it as well that's also yeah. a key thing like the series we're doing at the moment you well i can look at each episode and i know who's animated it in the in the, in the office which is quite interesting because it's the same character but like i can just see that looks Subtle like differences yeah think i know who animated that because of the size of the eyes or what they've done with the mouth or the way he turns and their timing it's just like yeah that's definitely vetus's shot or that's <laughs> definitely um Ali. marks or alleys or something yeah so it's, it is interesting um, oh that's really interesting so yeah to piggyback off of that what what do you guys look for i guess um in an animator you work with a lot of freelance artists um mm. and sounds like I guess also to go off that is there quite a lot of freelance work for animators within yeah within i guess the industry as a whole but in london as well um yeah yeah we get look we're really lucky now like because we have got to a point where we're getting quite a lot of applications like daily and stuff um it's really hard to look through them all but we really want to um but you can tell quite quickly when you click play on their showreel yeah how good they are if you know what i mean or how experienced they are um because i think a general rule of thumb is like put your best shot first because attention is limited like on cvs you know so i'm going to click play but i'm going to give you like 10 seconds to impress me before i have to (laughs) archive this email unfortunately um so if their first shot's good they're generally pretty good um i think you look for like it's quite easy to spot bad animation, especially with characters and humans, for instance, because you need to add weight and it needs to like, there's quite a lot of like muscle dynamics and body dynamics going on there. And if they're just sort of, if it, it, it can look very, you'd know, very Perry, quickly. trust me. Yeah. If I showed you, you'd be like, Oh, that looks strange. You know? <laughs> maybe, maybe <laughs> you would, you just words like bones move everywhere. It's just quite, it's all rigid and jerky and not smooth. And yeah. But in answer to your other question, there's so much work at the moment because, you know, with all of these uh, streaming platforms, Netflix, Amazon, BBC, Sky, like there's actually been a bit of a talent shortage this year because of all of the the work that's going on. Like, you know, all these big budget sort of uh, like 
Lord of the Rings, uh, not Lord, yeah, Lord of the Rings, the new Lord of the Rings one. Like, I don't think that's in the UK, but it's, uh, and then, you know, the, the Game of Thrones spin off. They all require, like, really, like, talented, good animators to make dragons look good. And so, you know, for us, like, we're sort of trying to attract the talent away from some of these, uh, some of these bigger studios, you know, like, uh, with like, really long sort of production timings, you know, it'll take years to sort of make these these sort of shows so um there's a lot of work out there uh so animators if they're if they're good enough uh then they'll they'll get a job <laughs> pretty pretty easily i guess let's let's uh let's dive into a bit of how you get into animation in the first place i don't know if there's like i guess along a production side of things people there's a lot of different paths you can take you know we can either go to school to be a filmmaker you don't have to you can learn it yourselves these days mm. um getting in as a consumer that like beginner level um is so much more accessible than it ever used to be yeah. um so i guess on the animation side is it more of a thing that people need to go to university and get a degree or is it more of like you know people start when they're yeah. 12 years old and like to animate on their computer and can do all that as long as they have a show reel to show for it and they know what they're doing is that okay um yeah do you have any any opinions on that i think um i think basically showreel as dan said is king so it doesn't matter how you get that showreel and you know there's softwares out there now that are free ones like blender which is like a 3d package so you can self-teach easily now i think university courses are becoming a bit less relevant lately because it's so expensive for students to do it and there are online courses as well which they can do which are a lot cheaper but I don't want to rule those out because they are, they are good. They are still really good for you. But I think in this modern world, there's just so much like out there now online, like online courses, YouTube, Vimeo. Um, I don't know what else. Like there's internships. Like I, I started by like making little flip books when I was younger and I knew I liked making things move. So I think you've got to have like a passion from an early age. Um, and then like, at school, you'll probably like art, DT, design, um, making stuff, computers. You know, if, you, if you've got that kind of bag, then you're on the right track. And then and then it is just a decision if you want to go to uni and study animation, which is very expensive, but you're going to learn the right things. Um, I don't know if I'd do it now. I would probably just sit in my bedroom and self-teach, like you said, um, watch, the, watch the pros and just have a go with the free software and then you can start applying like like charlie said like we rarely ever look at a cv of like where they've studied or their experience because i just want to see if their animation's any good i mean what else actually is there like to like apart from uni what else would you learn well apprenticeships and internships they're really hard to get they're hard to get and often from our point of view you want someone that already has a base skill set as well you're not completely training up from new we're not at the size yet where we can do that and help but there's other things like is it screen skills and things where people can get help from like mentors and yeah some of the biggest studios like our old employer they now offer like an, an animation course that you can sign up to where it's like you have these webinars and you watch someone animate like real time um which is great you, know, you can like comment and ask questions live while they're animating um I think, yeah, I think I would just learn without paying 
<laughs> it's, where it's, possible. Yeah, where possible. I think that's the thing as well, because when I went to uni, university, um, like essentially you, you're self-teaching whilst you're at university anyway. It's just like it just provides that network of people that are, have a similar mm. interest. Yeah, the and, network and, and the structure. I yeah, guess. and then some industry links as well from courses. But essentially you do have to learn it yourself anyway. It's just like you're, you're motivated by the fact you're trying to get a degree. Mm-hmm. And you're probably motivated as well by how much you're spending for that degree. And so ultimately you have to teach yourself uh, animation in whatever field that you want to, want to be in. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if we've just put people off uni <laughs> by saying all that. I no, I actually uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think that's, I guess, an insight or something that mm. a lot of people would be interested in knowing. Because, you know, as say you're like 16 years old and you've got either a knack for it or or natural interest in that kind of thing. And people are deciding, like, do I go spend all this money on a university degree or do I take the same amount of time to like, t- take three years and just, you know, do eight hours of tutorials and stuff a day and, and probably come out <laughs> farther ahead than you would have if you went to uni anyway. So. Because animation is so broad, like we were saying, like there's design, there's modeling, there's texturing, there's look dev, like surfacing, there's animation, there's lighting, there's comping. University is really good because you get to experience all of these stages and like actually choose what you're good at and, and what area of animation you want to go in. I think that's quite hard to do on your own without knowing that you want to be an animator. Mm. You know, it's so broad. It's, it's going to be really hard to sort of decide as a 16-year-old or something, oh, I want to be a sculptor or whatever it is. So university I, I see as like a sort of a, a, a place where you learn the process and then from there you basically specialise probably a bit later uh, because otherwise you have to like see it all to like, decide which areas you like i would say can we can we break that down as far as you said there's seven seven different areas of animation i think you just listed off i reckon there's something more. like that oh um, yeah. <laughs> yeah i guess i think yeah i mean i guess i just assumed you would just become an animator mm, i um, think that's why when you've been saying animator charlie's been saying like well dan can answer that question because i'm an animator which is making it move which right. is just making it move if well, you've got really. a lot more different design <laughs> processes yeah. that go yeah. into it yeah. Um, yeah. So, what are the, I guess, general different areas that you can work in within animation in general? There's design, which is the 2D stuff. Um, then there's uh, sculpting, which Dan said earlier, which uh, is the digital clay side. And then there's texturing, which is adding like uh, skin painting color, or 3D models, like t-shirt, cotton, whatever it's, whatever the material is supposed to look like, metals, things like that. Then there's um, rigging, which is adding the the internal skeleton so that you animators can make it move then there's animation animator the person that makes it move then there's lighting which is virtual lights uh making all of the uh the shadows fall in the right places and all of that stuff which the animators don't see no one sees until the end and then there's compositing which is bringing in all of the uh all of the renders together and making it look as pretty as possible for the final image so you can but then there's tons of- more in between all that. You know, there's storyboard artists, concept artists, map painters. These are doing the backgrounds. Um, mm. Production court. I mean, you could go into production, production coordinators, production managers. Um, that's more the the running of making the animation. Um, 
Usually people do like pipeline, um, which is like coding, yeah. coding, making sure it all runs seamlessly from department to department. File structure's all good. Um, directors. You know, there's just tons within animation. It's not just an animator. I figure the bigger the project as well, the more specific your job gets. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the bigger the studio you go to, the more you'll be like one person on that specific team doing that specific job, which is what we quite like about Ritzy at the moment is because we are young still. We're still quite small. People are coming in. And they're getting to do a bit of everything. And they've been able to tap people on the shoulder and be like, oh, how's that looking? I did the paintings for that. Like, what was it looking like in 3D? And they're going, oh, you know, this is what I've been doing with your textures. And then they see the other guy on the other side of the room that's making it move. And they're like, oh, that was the character I drew a month ago. He's been built in 3D now. So they're all talking to each other and they're all working with each other. And they're getting to have a go at every stage, you know, which we really like. Um, I suppose it's a generalist. It's called like a... Usually people have like two or three areas in animation that they're, they're, they're better at. So someone might design and storyboard and someone might animate and sculpt. Someone might light and code or something. Mm. And like for us at age five, we like people that are really good at flexible. one thing, but then good at two or three others so that we can put them to different tasks. more easily. Keep them longer. Keep them longer, yeah. yeah. Because if they're like, um, oh, my contract finishes on Friday, we can be like, well, let's have a look at what you can do. And if they can do like three or four different things, we might be able to use them on a different project for that department, you know, or that stage of the process. But um, Like you say, in, in the film studios and that, like you'd be just an animation animator or just a lighter or just a rigger or just a pipeline person or whatever. You get some really niche artists that like, their skill is like 3D fur or like mm. um, hair or flames or whatever. Or and they're, they're just applying to do that one effect, you know, um, which is like <laughs> one in a million chance that we've got that particular effect at that time that we need, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's really broad. How how do people get to that point of being that I don't specific? know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know because I never at uni like was like, do you know what? I love hair. That's all I want to <laughs> do is hair. But they do seem to have a passion for it. I guess they must have like been asked, do you fancy having a go at doing this during a project? They've done it. They've really enjoyed it. They've learned loads about that specific um, effect and, and they've they got really good again. at it. So they're like, well, can you do the hair for this character and this hair? And then they become a hair specialist. Um, you know, so I don't know. Um, I think you're right though it's basically like you start with a a slightly broad like low skill set and then over time you figure out what you like best and gradually specialize and become really good at it and then it becomes really hard to do anything else (laughs) Mm. so is there is there an advantage I guess to to one or the other or would you recommend do people Uh, I guess coming out of uni or like early off in career People, people tend to be more of a generalist and try and work for people like you or mm. what if people are like one track minded and like oh I'm 16 but I know I want to work with Pixar like what would you do in that it, dep- it depends how passionate you are if you if you desperately just want to be an animator and make things move that's what you're going to be like, and that's what you want to hone your skills at you should apply for the biggest studios um, because they are just looking you, you know on their website with all their jobs there'll be animator hair modeler texture and you will apply for the animator role whereas at Ritzy we'll put out I guess more generalist adverts um, and I don't think one's better or worse than the other 
personally, I'd advise to like have a broad understanding of each area so you can increase your chances of getting a job. Because um, if you are only good at one thing, then you're limiting your chances. But um, I don't know. Do you, would you agree? I'd say generalists yeah. is like better, um, <laughs> more hireable. Maybe more hi- yeah, more hireable starting more hireable. point. Yeah, maybe I think generalist with a leaning towards something would be the best advice. A generalist with a specialist skill (laughs) would be the best person. I remember it when I was in my final year of uni. I I thought I wanted to be an animator, and then I was doing my major project, like the sort of big. You'd be a terrible animator. I hated it. I was rubbish at animation, and so like you know, I only learned that I was much better at lighting and comping Mm. through learning that I hated animation. So it's just like you know, like. It's, it's weird like though, but then that's what I was saying at the beginning about that's why we were good together early doors because I would do the first half, have a broad understand the first half, and then there's like a cut off point with me where I don't really know the rest of it and I'm not really that interested. And Charlie was really good at that bit. So um, between us, we could do a whole project on our own, even if we were a bit crap at some of the, <laughs> the stuff. <laughs> Just get someone else to help out. Yeah. Needed, you know. Yeah. Um, it's been the same one since we started, really. And that, yeah, that's still the same to this day. Like, um, I prefer the making it move bit, designing it, storytelling, storyboarding, all the more pre-production stuff. And then I like getting involved in the production of the modeling and seeing things turn into 3D and come alive. But then after we've made it move, I kind of I dust my hands of it. And I say, <laughs> like, can you now add the lights and make it look pretty? And yeah. You guys had industry experience before starting your own business um i guess because you said there's there's a lot of work out there is a lot of that work more i guess is more of the work like working for a big production studio and more work is like it's easy right now not easy but the opportunities are there to be a freelancer or the opportunities there as well to um for those freelancers to go and maybe start their own studio as well um I guess, do you have any insights on that? Because you guys have obviously started your own business. So, I th- I think there's, there's such a demand for content, whatever it is. I mean, there's there's other like the film and the high end sort of Netflix style shows are like one end or f- and then the other end is like almost like a nursery sort of animations where you got like blobs just moving around and like a sort of sort of bedtime story type thing which is like much cheaper lower quality animation that's a bit harsh well it is though isn't it because like there's such a demand like such demand for content on youtube parents want like something to slap on for their like young youngster like babies don't care how detailed it is exactly they don't so then there's this demand for like just get it done just get it done and yeah. yeah So animation is relatively cheap for that. And so, you know, they're the sort of uh, like, they can look quite weird, I think. But um, but yeah, there's all sorts of different standards that you can you can do in animation. Obviously, we try to sort of pitch ourselves at the sort of the higher end of it. But, you know, uh, there, there's plenty of content there. Um, mm, I don't know. What was the question again? <laughs> basically, basically, just if you had any like insights or advice to Andy, I guess whether people any advantages to staying freelance versus like working for one of these bigger studios versus the third option of also starting your own um animation studio well i guess job security if you manage to land a position in a studio that you like and you're happy and you're doing what you enjoy then that's great um 
with the freelancers, I think you've got to be prepared for some quiet patches um, and to make make the money while you can. And you'll probably have some really good jobs and some really terrible ones. Um, but at least you're getting your name out there and you're working for different studios and meeting different directors and different teams and they'll get you back if you do a good job. So you become, you become a bit of a name in the industry, if you know what I mean. Um, but some people like studio hopping, like we meet them all the time and they're just like, yeah, I've just worked it here and I was here like three months ago and then I went and did a gig over there and they don't like settling. They don't like staying. Um, and then there's others that like just want to stay put because they love it. So, um, love the security, love the, the sort of friendships that you build in a mm. studio and it's just, it's just different, but it's different personalities to be different. But yeah, but if you want to start up your own studio, I think, um, just be prepared for like years to be knocked off your life. I think that's my <laughs> advice. The hair to thin. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, go for it if you want. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. But it's just really odd. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any quick tips or advice there on starting, starting your own thing? Um, I think do it with someone. Do it with a mate. Yeah. And be problem half, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. And be prepared. Um, I guess to learn a lot about business. Um, I don't think we either of us thought we would know as much as we do now about business. You know, we thought we'd just be having fun and making animation forever, but um, there is a whole different side to it. Like it's rare now that we actually do anything creative and get involved with the tools, even though we desperately want to um, just don't get the chance anymore. You know, it's hiring really good animators rather than me animating it, um, which is how it started. We were doing all the projects ourselves, but just can't do that anymore. So um yeah, I think be prepared to kind of sell your soul a little bit. Do you still? Well, do you still? A little, <laughs> if you want. You sure you're in this, mate? <laughs> I love you it. Really confident. I love it, but do you know what I mean? We don't get to like yeah. do the fun like, stuff think, anymore. Yeah, we basically sort of. Yeah, we we didn't really know what tax was before we started. <laughs> Did you not? Well, oh, come on, mate. Like I'm Mr. Finance out of out of either of us, but um, yeah, there's just there's just so much to running a company, and I think. You have to, I think the one thing that we were told that is so true is just like when you run a company, like it's, you can never really fully, fully switch off from it. And so uh, there's always something to think about or worry about slightly, but mm. the highs are so high though. And uh, like, I love, I've loved sort of running this uh, because when you get your first job, it's like, it was like a really small project and we were like yeeping in my car when we found out that we'd won a job and and then you know it's just it's just really exciting uh like on the whole uh so i would recommend it but it does come with like a sort of baggage a bit, bit of baggage yeah. yeah you still get that like you said you don't get a lot of hands-on um with the creative process i guess anymore but you still get that creative like satisfaction by giving that work to others definitely um, yeah. like knowing that I guess you guys were the masterminds behind the whole project and seeing the finished one. Definitely. I, I find it really enjoyable looking for artists and meeting new artists and seeing them do the work and briefing them to do the work. And then they show me what they've done. And it's like, yes, that looks amazing. You know, it's exactly what we discussed and we spoke about feeding back is like 50% of our job now. Um, I do miss it, but then every now and then I will grab the mouse and have a little go myself or say like, send me the file, let me open it. And, I think I think sometimes the staff are shocked because they don't think we used to do it, you know, and it's like, oh, I didn't know you could animate or I didn't know you could do that. And like, yeah, 
Used to, like, I'm not as good anymore, we're a bit rusty. Now we're you do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, I think it's important because if you couldn't do it, then who are you to tell them that that jump's wrong, that looks wrong, that leg's in the wrong place? Like, what, what, why, why is my opinion important? I'm like, I think you, you need to have been able to show someone that you've done it yourself and you've got the experience and you know what you're talking about. Otherwise, they'll question you and be like, your animation shit. So <laughs> I'm not going to listen to you. Sorry, you're not allowed to swear on it. I swear no, on you're it. definitely allowed to swear. It's okay. Oh, okay. Oh, good. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, but yeah, I really enjoy that. I, as much as I miss doing it myself, um, I just love seeing. I love seeing the team make projects, and um, you get a buzz out of the final film and knowing that you were a part of it. You know, even if you weren't physically animating it yourself and doing every task. Gradually now the staff are better than we were anyway, you know, like uh, now we're employing people that because they are more specialised in some respects, like they've just got more hours and more time to be really, really good at something. And so, they know new, tool, new tools, new software, quick yeah. ways of doing it. So sometimes that can be a bit embarrassing. It's like, why can't I just use this? And it's like, I didn't know that. Didn't know that button existed. <laughs> Fair enough, do that. <laughs> does that. In the same way it does for us, but does the technology and the software on animation change really quickly. Yeah, um, that's something that we're really thinking about to sort of stay relevant in the industry. You have to sort of keep in touch with like newer technologies, like um, like now like games are sort of made with like Unreal Engine and things like that, which is like a real time software. But gradually over time, like animations are moving to that because, you know, if you can see things in real time rather than have to wait overnight to see get your frames come back and things like that which is a really time intensive thing uh you know like that gives you more iteration and more time for improvement and so we're starting to sort of invest in like these newer technologies because we have to otherwise we'll just be over time we'll just get phased out you know because we're, we're, i hope not <laughs> there, is, there is still like you know no, i know what you mean be like a really good eye for art and good taste but if there is the still that technological side that you need to be really relevant and and but it's it's costly you know like you know to learn new tools and get them and train staff up and it's yeah it's one of the headaches that we've got mm. i think if you can show a client something earlier something final earlier rather than waiting 6 months then there's a lot to be said for that because i think that's that's the the key these days is like people are willing to like pay this money for you to do the chop, but they have to wait so long before they can see like the final project. And so some of the new um, software that's coming out, like Charlie mentioned, they are making it quicker now to like quickly mock something up and see it. Um, and get them a preview. And get them a preview process. earlier. Yeah. And yeah. like if we, if we don't start hiring artists who have experience with that software and stuff, like other studios will, yeah, take over and be able to deliver quicker and stuff. And um, that is a real danger really because – yeah, we're still we're still doing every stage the way it should be done, but um, yeah, it's just evolving, you know. And um, you know, VR might be a sort of different sort of avenue that you go down, where clients put on a VR headset and you can sort of see see an edit in that yeah. respect. You know, like it's changing so quickly, and who knows how content will be consumed in a few years. Cool. I think the only other thing I um, would really like you guys to cover is. Uh, 
this is a very quite general question, but I guess who or what is animation for? Um, what are like the different uses for it? Um, I guess why would someone choose an animation project um, and you know take on that longer time frame versus um, the more traditional, just like regular um, live action production? That's a hard question. I think ultimately it's like you can do things in animation that you can't do in live action. You can bring to life um, this microphone can bounce around the studio and have a life of its own. Um, everything could float up in the air. You could have tons of visual effects. Like it really depends what you want. You know what I mean? And I think um, animation it's about control. I think as well. Like you can control animation however you want. If you want like that reaction of the actor to be that little bit more subtle. You can you can communicate that, and the animator will do it. So, but again, that's mm. for that's if you get yeah. That's for like the sort of serious sort of film side of things. But you do get ultimate control in animation. You control every single nuance. Uh, so there is that. But then, like Dan says, you can make anything anything you want um, move in any way you want. Really. Um, yeah, when you see these films where they like um, they're super 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 realistic high-end and detailed but you're like well why didn't you just film why didn't you just do a live action like I, those are the sort of animated projects i'm like i don't understand why you've chosen animation for that because you're just trying to make a, a skin look as real as you possibly can you're trying to make a human look as real as you possibly can um whereas if you're trying to do something completely wacky and crazy and imagine imaginative and disney-like then of course you're going to choose animation because otherwise you can have loads of people dressed up in stupid outfits and <laughs> running around studio. So, um, yeah, it totally depends on what project, uh, what, what you want as, an, as the outcome, um, as a client, I think. Yeah. Um, but that is a really hard question. Why animation? Ultimately, <laughs> I didn't expect an easy answer. No, yeah. it's really hard. I'm now questioning my whole life. <laughs> um, what, uh, what do you guys think of the, I guess the new trend supposed to trend of the live action remakes all these old animated films because mm. most of these live action films also are mostly animated yeah and that, that really throws people off yeah it's like the lion king isn't it yeah um, live action but it's almost completely animated. but that's a great great example of like something that's taken years and years and years hundreds of people to create a realistic lion and it's just like why didn't you just go and film some lions? I don't know. Like but it's not even that. It's just like it, it doesn't have the charm. Well, it does. It doesn't have any yeah personality. It's, it's nothing like the original Lion King. Someone actually did like their version of it, didn't they? Where um, I think it was a freelancer who like did some three D um, lions, but like in a cartoony kind of way. They looked like so much better than the thing that actually got released. It sounds um, like they spent so much time on making it so realistic as an animation. They forgot to put. <laughs> The emotions into it. And they, they didn't do it because it looked so realistic. Like it wouldn't have worked having Scar like his mouth move around the way that Disney did it. It would just look uncanny. So it's a technical <laughs> achievement. But other than that, like I don't think anyone would make, be in a hurry to watch that ahead of the original Disney. But we do know a lot of people that worked on that, so I think yeah, it was yeah. a Shout great out film. To those guys. <laughs> it was a great film. From an animation standpoint, though, it was it's, it's incredible. It, is, it like, looks amazing. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, but you just feel like you're watching like a wildlife I, documentary, don't you? 
with I mean, I guess that was the point, mouths. right? I don't understand the point. Yeah, like personally, like I've always. I've, but they're doing it with everything now, aren't they? And like Jungle yeah, Book. Yeah, the little little mermaid teaser came out the other day. Yeah, controversial. I haven't seen it. Did it look any good? Really good? Does it? I've not seen that. Mm. I think you'd have to do her like like the mermaid's tail. I mean, you can't really do that with uh, live yeah, action, but right. everything else maybe. <laughs> yeah. It's it's tricky. I think animation in that respect should be used to sort of complement live action. You know, I think there's a real use for it there. But interesting. Well, if you guys have anything to say to like freelancer community, um, I know you guys work with a lot of freelancers. If there's anybody who wants to get in touch with you guys, um, I know you guys, I'm assuming, are always kind of looking for new talent. Anybody that matches up with what you guys are doing, um, how can people get in touch with you? How would you recommend people, you know, go about that? I think um, on our website, www.ritzyanimation.com, um, we have the job section where we post jobs. Um, so when we're ramping up, you need people, you should check that out. Um, but we can be a bit lazy with it. So I'd always apply regardless if you're looking for a job. Um, is it info at Ritzy Animation or jo jobs at Ritzy Animation? Check the socials as well. Like, uh, I think it's just good for people to sort of be aware of like, you know, what we do and like, you know, you can see our show on our website, see the sort of work that we do. And I guess if they think that like they're a good fit for us, then we'd welcome any emails because we have like a big old database where we keep everyone. We, yeah, we're trying to be really on it with like any application that comes through. We, we save it. We look at it at some point when we've got a quiet period and then we'll add it to our database and we, all those skills we talked about earlier, um, we'll, we'll highlight what skills they've got and then we can filter it. So when the time does come around, when we need someone who can do really good fur, we look for fur and we find the right person. Um, and that goes for all the different roles. So you'll be stored and you'll be used if you're good. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, good. Good to hear. I'm sure people will be yeah. excited about that. Um, yeah, I think that brings us towards the that end of the episode here. Yeah, thank yeah, you so much. It's been an hour already. That's mad. Wow. Time flies. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you both for uh, trekking all the way over here. Um, and coming on the podcast I think it's a really interesting episode um, thanks so much for having us really yeah. appreciate it yeah I think it's just really cool to have that insight from a, a different part of the industry um, we don't always deal with animation you know we don't definitely don't specialize <laughs> in it here um, we'd like to do a bit more I think um, but it's always you know it's stuff clients ask for and it's stuff that's you know either we do it or we have to outsource it so um yeah it's good to be a part of that freelance network as well um and you know we work with freelancers all the time um and that's you know a big goal of this podcast as well is just to um i guess be a voice for other freelance artists and you know to get on the radar of them if um you guys are interested if anyone has the skill sets you know reach out to anyone who comes on here mm -hmm. um and if we have a place and if we have a need you know we're more than happy to connect oh brilliant thanks um, so much yeah, so thank you. Thank you guys again for coming on. Um, that wraps up this episode. Um, it's come out, um, you know, on the third Wednesday of every month. That's just as a reminder. And we will see you on the next episode. Bye.